Hey everybody, this is going to be a perfectly normal introduction. And I'm Ryan. Oh, wait. Yep. That's fine. We'll clean up the yep. post. <laughs> nah, it'll be fine. <laughs> uh, so Ryan, we actually did some uh, chain bound. Oh, well, I should say we actually had our chain bound results actually locked. <laughs> yeah. So we uh so I we we've been uh, bragging last episode about how we did our first chain bound event, but it wasn't true. Um, as it turns out, the, the event had been registered as casual, um, which means that it doesn't get reported. So no chains occurred. So unfortunately, Brian's deck, which is the scourge of us all, uh, escaped its chains. Much to our chagrin. Yeah, I think that was mostly our fault, because when she was yeah. asking us how we wanted to set it up, we were like, oh, yeah, casual's fine. I don't think the tournament yeah. setting is, like, it's not an actual tournament, I guess. So I don't know. Yep. Much to our chagrin. So we did yeah. our first actual, real, recorded Chainbound event, uh, which was sealed this time around, and um, our buddy Harry won. So yeah. congratulations, Harry. Went that was a... Out. His deck was gross. Like a thing. Yeah, was... I I thought my deck was actually pretty gross, because I went 2-1, and one, and my loss was to him. And the thing about my deck was, uh, it just ended up being very, very fast. But yeah. the control that he had with his deck like it just shut my deck down entirely i was like oh i can't actually do anything because you just keep turning me off this is great yeah i'm trying to remember he had i mean he just had everything he needed the what was the uh it was something the few I want to oh say. Uh, uh glorious few glorious few which i'm looking up folks uh for the the card reading glorious few um it's Sanctum. Uh, it's an action. For each creature your opponent controls in excess of you, gain one ember. Um, so for me, I, I got like a big... So for part of the game, he was ahead of me. So he was reaping, getting ember, and um, just kind of putting himself ahead, getting those keys. And then I was able to start chipping away at his creatures and taking them down. And then he uh, took his creatures and just slammed them in what seemed to be bad trades against my creatures. Um, and I'm like, okay, that seems a little weird, but sure. And then he slaps down Glorious Few, and I had eight creatures. He had, I think, one. So he got seven. He got a free key off of Glorious Few. It was ridiculous. I mean, it's a an interesting thought experiment there because if you think about like if you're coming from that magic perspective, uh, bad trades seem like a bad like are a bad thing, right? Like you never want to trade equal with your opponent. You always want to you know at least be one card up on your opponent, right? But in this game, there are so many cards that are situational in the sense of like, I need to have less creatures than you. Or um, a good another good card uh, to point out here is like um, Coward's End, which is destroy each non-damaged or undamaged creature, gain three chains. Uh, that card, you know, it's there's a worthwhile moment of like i'm gonna swing all of my creatures in so none of them die but at least take some damage and then i'm gonna kill everything else so i retain my creatures yep. uh so those like suddenly the the your play actions have uh interesting effects like yeah. that would seem uh bad in any other you know any other instance you know what i mean yeah and then he had a he so he had he did that uh, and so I'm I'm a little leery about that strategy with Glorious Few. You know, you you slam in with a bunch of your stuff, you lose a bunch of your creatures because your creatures are how you're going to generate Ember and potentially stop your opponent from doing the same. So it's it's a really tricky 
to use that. But then this was his third key. So he did that, got his ember, and then I had to stop him right. in one turn, um, which didn't happen because he played the Vault Keeper, which is a sanctum creature, four power, one armor, uh, and it simply says your ember cannot be stolen. So that was that was just the last uh, the last straw that broke my camel's back. Yeah, that deck is definitely it was uh, sanctum heavy. Like it, oh yeah, it was a uh, it was really good. Yeah, I think the uh, Bouncing Death Quark guys, uh, their podcast, uh, they talk about um, you have like a main house and then a support house in each deck. Um, and Sanctum definitely was the heavy lifter in that deck. And I was all proud because I had Chota Hazri, um, who is an untamed creature. Uh, let me pull it up here. Chota Hazri, uh, it's an untamed creature, three power. The relevant part is that when you play Chota Hazri, it says lose one ember. If you do, you may forge a key at current cost. So basically, if you have seven ember, you forge a key. So I had him. I had uh, Witch of the Eye, which when you Reaper, you can return a card from your discard pile to your hand. And then I had Fertility Chant, which uh, is an action that gives you four ember, um, but it gives your opponent two ember. So a little bit of a trade-off there. So I had Fertility Chant, Reap with Witch of the Eye, get Fertility Chant back, play Fertility Chant again, then drop Chota Hazri and forge out of turn. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you did that to me. Yeah, that's right. That was right. I did that to you. And I think, oh no, did I lose that game? Yes, you did. I did lose that game. But I was so happy that I did that. Because my Witch of the Eye never lives. Yeah, I seem to to be unable to get away from Annihilation Ritual in any of my decks. So my sealed deck had Annihilation Ritual in it. (laughs) That's Uh, right, that's right. So, but that actually, like, that wasn't necessarily the, the... the big thing in the deck that the the deck had so many controlling disc creatures that I was able to really kind of capitalize on the on that control. Uh, it also helped that a lot of our opponents had um, artifacts, so or a lot of my opponents ended up having artifacts. So I got a lot of uh, I got a lot of mileage out of Tentacus, who is a five power creature from disc that your opponent. May pay uh, must pay you one in order to use an artifact, uh, so that ended up being you know that ended up being really really good. And then my uh, my Mars side was actually really strong as well, uh, so I ended up having quite a it, it ended up being really really strong deck for me. It just I could not overcome what Harry brought to the table. It was just a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a very frightening deck. Yeah, so that was uh, I, oh the one other thing I wanted to mention about my uh, deck is uh, I finally have one that has the best nickname uh, of of all of my decks. Uh, it is Zyla Professor Updog Queef <laughs> Cave. I think it's Keev Keev maybe. I don't know. I can't pronounce yep. the last part. But up-dog, yeah, Professor Updog is by far the best thing. I we my wife and I did. Uh, some trivia the other day and i named our team professor updog because of that deck <laughs> and we came in second which is seems to it's be the way my... on the back of that name yeah yeah we didn't get any questions right but they gave you bonus points for yep the name so so we had some more uh some more ffg uh announcements which was kind of nice and uh, it turns out we were just far off enough to feel like we weren't that far off. 
<laughs> well, so it's funny because these don't aren't really equitable to their dollar values. Like we were trying to attribute dollar values to a shard. And I think, yeah. what did we say? They were like a dollar a shard is kind of what we were thinking. Yeah. So so just for context here, uh, Sorry. FFG had announced the pricing essentially for the things that you can win on the Vault Tour prize wall. Uh, and and what the amber shard rewards are for the different tiers of tournaments. So, yeah. So uh, last episode, if you'll remember, because I know that you've listened to it, um, we uh, we had talked about like um, how like if you could ascribe a dollar value to a th- to an ember shard, what would that dollar value be? So that we could try to come up with prices for. Um, how many ember shards might a, uh, a messenger bag cost or the play mat? Um, and we, in some places, we were we were pretty close. In other places, I think we were um, we definitely overvalued the uh, the ember shard. Um, so we'll we'll run through them real quick here. Uh, so the uh, going from lowest to highest, the chains cards, which are the little cards that have the different art from the different houses you use those to track your chains throughout the game. Uh, those are going to be five ember shards, um, and I should say. All of this stuff is for the Vault Tour prize walls. Um, so you have to go to a Vault Tour to be able to get this stuff, at least for now. They've said that there's going to be other ways to get uh, access to the prize wall to spend your Ember Shards, but they haven't announced what they are yet. So until they say something, it's Vault Tour bust. Yep. So, uh, Chains Card, five Ember Shards. A Deck Box, five Ember Shards. A Vault Tour, it looks like a pin. I assume it's a pin. Yeah, it's a Vault Tour pin. Okay. Um is 30 ember shards uh, a t-shirt is 70 ember shards a metal key so the same it looks like they're the same ones that you get uh in the um it was in the launch kit so if you went to a keyforge launch party or maybe you've seen other people using them from uh winning events um they're the little metal no they're not that little uh but they're metal keys that you can use um in the place of your cardboard cutouts or any custom keys you might have anyway a set of three or 70 the, yeah, and the one note about those is those will actually be Vault Tour branded with the year on yes. them, I believe. Yeah, that's what I, that's the impression I got as well. So they're not just the same thing. They're, they're going to look the same, but they'll be collector's items in a way. Um, house play mats. Uh, so those are just play mats with the different art from the different houses on them. Those are going to be 70. Um, and I think that one alone gives us our kind of dollar value. Play mats are usually 20, 25 bucks. Um, so... You can kind of use that. They're like it looks like an ember shard is maybe a third of a uh, so like thirty three. Well, this is U.S. dollars, so like thirty three cents. Yeah, give or take. I mean, I think we were one for one. Like one amber shard would be one dollar. Right. So and like that's my yeah, it is not the case, but <laughs> it's still pretty close. I mean, we were sixty six percent off. Well, I guess I just mean like. <laughs> What it seemed like for me is that if you're going to try to push somebody to try to get to these events and use their amber shards, like that incentive of, of the the value of each amber shard being closer to a dollar made a lot of sense because that there's that value there, right? Like, I mean, like, well, you know, I, I effectively paid $10 for these decks. I'm going to get a dollar in return to, uh, uh, to, to get some cool swag for Keyforge. Um, I, I figured that's that's where my mindset was when I was saying a dollar per shard. Now I realize no. that that doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah, it's more like that's what we that that was kind of our desired price point for wanting to trade these things in is like, you know, if I'm getting a dollar a shard, then I'm incentivized to go. If it's less than that, then it's going to be a harder sell to get me to to attend. 
Yeah, I just realized my way of saying that was much more rambly. That's fine. That's what we're here for. That's where they pay us the big bucks, the big podcasting internet dollars. Yeah, we'll be 56 cents per word spoken. <laughs> That's right. We're like Dickens. We're the, we're the Dickens of podcasting. <laughs> That's, those are some shoes I don't know if I can fill. <laughs> you just have to hyper-describe everything as we go. Though, I mean, that just means that, just means that if we had, uh, in the future, when we become so popular to the point that they're going to make a movie, we, we're almost guaranteed a Muppet movie. No, it means that uh, everyone's we're going to be required listening in high schools, but no one's actually going to do it, and they're just going to get the Cliff's Notes of our podcast. That's all right. That also works too. <laughs> I'm just more excited about Muppets. There you go. Well, that too. That's that's eventual. That's how you know you've made it. That's how you know you've made it in life is if there is a Muppet anything that is in any way based on you or involved you. Muppets are the key to success in life. That's your <laughs> that's your finish line. You've peaked. That's jumping the shark. You hit the Muppets. <laughs> so speaking of Muppets, those cost uh, it. No, <laughs> it'd be great if you get a, <laughs> a Brobnar Muppet. No way. Okay. That <laughs> would be great if you could. It doesn't. So sorry, folks. That doesn't. That was a joke. They don't exist. Uh, but if anyone at Fantasy Flight is listening, um, I would, you know, instead of a gaming chair, put up a Brobnar Muppet. Do like smash. I would be way into, Muppet. I would be way into a charrette, uh, a charrette Muppet, Muppet. <laughs> or or snudge. Do do them for each house, or you know what? Honestly, like a more realistic thing, I would totally take plushies off of these guys. Yeah, hell yeah, I would take yeah. a a keyforge plus plushie. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be that would be fantastic. Anyway, uh, especially with some of the new spoilers coming out, like the uh, the scented cobra, scented yeah, cobra. FFG. Give a plushie of that. Come on, FFG. We want, we want plushies. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, so we talked about house playmats being seventy. They have a training playmat, um, which is I, I'm calling it a training playmat. It's more of like um, uh, it's a playmat with like uh, delineated areas for your cards and for where your keys go, um, stuff like that. It's just it, it, it's the generic, uh, not generic, but it's the general key forge logo coloration and everything um those are 80 for some reason instead of 70 i'm not sure if maybe they're bigger they might um, be than a normal playmat maybe uh but regardless it's 10 extra ember shards um so we have a a friend who has that two-player mat and that thing is wider than the normal ones like like any other playmat that you would purchase yeah not not only is it like go all the way across the table for both people but it's also left and right wider yeah. So you can get more flanking creatures because I don't know how many times I've had to wrap around. <laughs> Certainly um, a pain. It is. It's a little, a little frustrating. And you just need to put more removals so that I can't, uh, you know, that's what they need is removal. That's like if um, destroy target creature uh, that is not able to fit in the first row of creatures. All right. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There's your removal. <laughs> You're welcome. You can have that one for free, Fantasy Flight. Uh, right. So if, <laughs> uh, if you were embarrassed about that joke and you want to put a hat down over your face to hide yourself in shame, um, a beanie will cost you 100 ember shards. Uh, a baseball cap will cost you 150 ember shards. And a hoodie will cost you 100, yeah, 175 ember shards, um, which is a little pricey. 
looking at these like if we use our our twenty dollars for a playmat rubric then you're looking at um like 40 50 bucks for a hoodie which is pricey i mean 40 50 bucks for a hoodie i think is probably the normal cost for a hoodie yeah well you're also looking at 40 bucks for a baseball cap yeah that's the weird thing is and i think it's just the level of effort that kind of goes into how like because if you look at the t-shirt yeah if you look at the t-shirt it's black with one color so I think the cost to make those in bulk is going to be cheaper. But if you look at that hoodie, that hoodie A is a hoodie. So there's a lot more material. But the all the logoing and all that stuff is like three colors, I, I believe. I think it's yeah. I think it's red, yellow, and black. But I'm not sure. I can't. I'm, I'm not looking at it. But uh, at, at minimum, it's two colors. So that you know, the more you know, resources put into making the thing, obviously, it's going to be more expensive. But the baseball cap being 150 bucks is that's weird. Yeah, well, not 100, 150 amber shards. Oh, that's um, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's which would be which would be like forty fifty bucks. Um, and and I say forty fifty bucks, that's not um not literally forty or fifty dollars. You've already spent the money and gotten a deck out of it. The amber shard is kind of free for yeah. the sake of of these things, but just to give it a value, they're valuing a baseball cap at forty fifty dollars. Yeah. Um, so it's not like if you wanted to walk up to them and be like, hey, can I just buy one of those baseball caps? They're not going to charge you $40, $50. I mean, I doubt they'd sell it to you anyway. But even if they did, <laughs> they would not sell it to you for $40, $50. They'd probably put a reasonable price on it. Yeah. But it's just weird with this this economy that they've set up for Ember Shards that the baseball cap is so high up there. And like you said, a hoodie, now that I'm thinking about it, if you go to breweries, if you go to uh, other conventions, um, hoodies do get a little pricey. Uh, it's strange. Maybe they're just... I don't know. Yeah, more I expensive mean, to make like that. Yeah, fifty bucks for a hoodie for me it makes total sense. Like, it's more than I want to spend, but I'm cheap. <laughs> fair. I have a lot of hoodies, and most of them cost me fifty dollars. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so the messenger bag uh, is three hundred and fifty ember shards. So that's uh, what's that compared to our rubric here? Um, mathing, mathing. Uh, that would be like a hundred bucks in ember shards, yeah, give or take. Um, and that's, I think, real world price for messenger bag is like forty to sixty, depending on what it is and where you get it. I mean, the thing. So the one thing I will say is that, and, and we're getting there. Uh, I do know that, but the decks. Like I, the, now that I see the the breakdowns for how you get amber shards outside of buying decks i see why they had to increase the cost right that's actually that's a really good point that's something that i'm not taking into account with my evaluation here that i really should be so if i'm, yeah. if I'm coming across like a, as a negative nancy on these ember shard pricings i apologize that's not now that i'm thinking about it as we go yeah i forgot that there are other ways to get ember shards if the only way to get ember shards is strictly through decks then these prices would be really it would be astronomical Right, you would never be able to get these things. You'd have to. It's like it's like trying to get a uh, I don't know, like a TV out of an arcade by playing skee ball. Like you're going to pay five times the cost of the TV and skee ball. Right. Um, even cheating. <laughs> but I forgot that just even showing up at some of these other events and having a good time is going to get you closer to these prizes. So right. I'll take back negativity that I had before. Um, so some messenger bag would be, uh, like we said, uh, in that hundred ish dollar range gaming chair, um, is a thousand Ember shards. So if you, uh, what would that work out to be? Wow. That's like, 
a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's like 300-ish, 400 I, yeah, and if you actually look at some of the, like the cost of it, so it very much depends on the quality of the chair, which I'm assuming of based course. on the like how they're approaching this so far, it's not a big deal. But a lot of those gaming chairs are actually like you know 250 bucks. Yeah, I looked recently because I was going to buy one for myself, but I decided not to. Uh, so along with the Ember Shard amounts for each item on the prize wall. They've also told us um, how you're going to get more Ember Shards other than just buying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Keyforge decks, which, I mean, let's be honest, you're going to be doing it anyway. Uh, but if you want to supplement that with more Ember Shard income, you can participate in uh, official events. And at the lowest rung, um, you have Chainbound events. So that's your weekly store event. Um, you're going to get one Ember Shard for participation, and you're going to get one Ember Shard per win. So you do not have to win the whole thing. In fact, winning the whole thing, which um, is kind of tricky, but winning the whole thing in a, a Chainbound event does not get you any bonus Ember. It's purely on a per-win basis. Yeah, I think this really kind of plays into the idea like it. this is just a casual thing. It's just rewarding you for going in and sitting down and playing Keyforge with people. So they don't really want to reward the the person who went three and zero, which is, I mean, I, I mean, you, they are getting rewarded, right? They get th one more amber shard than everybody else does, because, or you know, if they well, go three and zero, yeah. right? But but that's, that's what I mean. Is, yeah, that's fine. So like everybody's getting a reward for participating in the chainbound event, and then on top of that, you know, you can do this every week. I mean, you could do it multiple times per week if you really wanted to put in that effort. So. This is going to kind of probably be the bread and butter way of getting Amber Shards because you're right. just going to keep doing it, right? Yeah. So uh, let's break it down for a second. So let's say that uh, your wife would not get really mad at you if you spent seven days a week playing Keyforge, um, <laughs> which also would make you a terrible husband in my case. Uh, but let's say you spent seven days a week playing Keyforge. You, there were seven stores nearby and you could go to each one and they somehow all coordinated and have their Keyforge events on a different night of the week. So you could play Keyforge all week long. That would get you, and then let's say that you have enough decks that aren't going to get, that you can rotate them through so that you're constantly winning. Um, every time you go, you go 4-0 because we're also going to assume there's eight or more people at all these events because you are a lucky, lucky guy, girl, person. Uh, and your events fire with eight or more people every time seven days a week at seven different stores like man that sounds awesome but anyway uh let's say you go to these events and you go four and oh every time you go to one of these events so each event is going to get you one ember for participation four ember for winning so that's five ember and then you could go seven days a week so that's seven times five that's 35 so math skills are kicking back in now um that's going to get you 35 ember per week as a maximum for chain bound events so with that in mind it would only take you oh, and now my math skills are falling off again so if we take that and we line it up against a gaming chair and you only do chain bound events uh, but you do them seven days a week every week uh, you get 35 ember each week it would take you 28 weeks to get that gaming chair so chain bound not super efficient for the expensive prizes <laughs> We have so there are decks out there right now. The, the top deck right now has 17 wins on it, so that's 17 amber shards for just the wins, and then 
one amber shard. So I mean, so and then one amber shard for participation. I mean, I'm not gonna go through and do the math on how many times, like how many games this person has played, but I mean, they are they're at 17 just from that, and then there would have been at least there would have been at least four events because you can't go you can't do more than four rounds. So they would be at 17 plus five. Yep. They're at 22 ember shards. Yep. Plus whatever they've gotten from buying decks. So I mean, like that's a lot. Like that's a lot of ember shards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's not the only way to get ember shards through events. So there's more events, which means more ember shards, and the the amounts on these things really start to ramp up. Your store championships, which I don't think we've heard details as to how often those are going to be uh, and really a lot of details around those just yet but store championships are going to give you five shards for participation three shards per win and then the winner gets an additional 40 shards um i guess i should refer to them as ember instead of shards if i'm going to shorten it but whatever uh next up is the prime championship which is i believe like a regionals um those are 10 ember for participation five ember for each win and then the winner gets a bonus 75 ember that's pretty sweet i mean that right there is a yep. play mat in and of itself uh actually more because you yep. get the participation on top of that so you can get that sweet like 80 i mean shard, if you add all i mean if you went if you won every match it's way more than that you you're you're at beanie level yeah you could walk out of there with a beanie yeah Same. man <laughs> Is that how we're going to, so that, that's how, you know what, uh, new deck analyzer site idea, um, instead of rating it based on numbers or anything else, you equate it to which prize it could get in a single <laughs> event. So you could have, you could have beanie level decks, you could have like, but ultimately you get like a double four horsemen with the one turn kill, uh, one turn kill logos deck. You're talking gaming chair deck right there. That's like gaming chair tier. Me, I think all of my decks, all of my decks are probably right around okay. play mat level. Maybe t-shirt. Right. I got t-shirt decks. That's the one we'll use. <laughs> so, if you do well in the regionals uh, or the prime championships, as they're calling them, you get to potentially go to the grand championships, which I think are. I, I yeah, want to say those are, are the national. I'm not sure. I don't yeah. have it up in front of me. No, the oh oh, oh I see what you're saying. Oh, these are several. Okay, so maybe. Prime Championship isn't just one thing. Prime Championship is like regionals and nationals are all at the same level. Maybe that's how it is. So anyway, so Prime Championships, you get 10, 5, 75. Um, Grand Championships, you get 20 for participation, 10 for each win, and then the winner gets a bonus 150 ember. So it's pretty sweet. Walk out of there with a ball cap. Uh, The Vault Tour. So these are the ones that are probably more interesting than any of the other ones because you don't have to win to get to go to any of these. Prime Championships, Grand Championships, usually you have to qualify for them for the most part. Um, Store Championships, not so much, but you're not getting a ton out of them. But Vault Tour, you just have to show up and participate in the main event. Uh, and that's crucial. If there's side events or anything else, you don't get credit for those. Um, I don't know if you can go mul- do multiple main events I don't know, or if it's just one main event. Um, but regardless, it's 30 ember for participation. It's 15 ember per win. And it's 500 bonus ember for the winner. So this is by far and away the most lucrative thing to do, which is cool because right. it's just an open to the public event. I'm glad that 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 the most rewarding 
thing is not like you have right. to be the best player in the world to get this. It's not a rich getting richer. It's a hey, show up and play. Yeah, and if you don't take this, if you don't take the top so spot, really cool. but you still win, like you know, so say you get two wins, you know, that's sixty amber shards that you didn't have when you walked in. Yeah. I mean, you could, yeah, so with, let's say, yeah, let's say you just get two wins. That gets you 60 Ember Shards, plus, you know, you probably already have Ember Shards. Uh, you're Potentially, yeah. you get a playmat out of that. Yep. You get Metal Keys out of that, just for showing up and winning two games. So that's pretty sweet. And then the winner gets, like, a huge, yeah. huge pot of yeah, Ember 500. Shards. 500 is ridiculous. That's half the gaming chair. So you go to two Vault Tours, win them both, and you got yourself a gaming chair. Simple. So my curiosity is, is, like, is it just participate? Is it per participation in the vault tour like because I, I feel like it's going to be like pod based right like if you sign up for a pod you get 30 amber shards then you get 15 for each of your wins they said, so like so they said that it was it only counted for the main event so i don't know exactly okay. what that means if it's like okay so we're going to run a bunch of side events um throughout the uh the weekend and then there's one main event on saturday at 4 p.m and that's the one that counts okay. as the vault tour event um, which would kind of make sense because they probably want to publish like who the winner of the vault tour is um, while they still do right. like chain bound events on the side. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I might be wrong. I'm often am, and this could be one of those situations, <laughs> um, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I, it makes me excited for Gen Con. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So speaking of that, uh, it is Saturday, so tomorrow Ryan and I are going to go to a uh, local convention here that is running uh, a sealed chainbound tournament. Yep, it is the Granite Gaming Summit. Yeah. So the cool thing, so so we figured this would be a great time because we're prepa- we're we're preparing for this tomorrow already. So uh, we wanted to kind of we've been talking about a lot of like getting people into the game. Uh, and, and how to kind of approach that. So this is like the the last piece of that is like if you're going if you decide that this is something that you like and you want to play competitively, how do you get into it? Um, so so starting with that, uh, there's there's a preparation aspect of like if it, if it's an Archon event, we'll, we're we're gonna assume for a majority of the, the the majority of this that this is an Archon tournament that you're going to. Um, for those of you who don't know, the difference between Archon and Sealed is Archon, you bring a deck that you already own, and then you play against your opponent with this deck that you, in theory, have played before. The alternative is Sealed, um, where you uh, are provided with a deck at the beginning, and you don't know about it ahead of time. Right. So, I guess in in terms of, like, Archon, it's probably good to play your deck. Like, no where you know what its strengths are what its weaknesses are and know kind of how you have to play against certain decks uh there's a couple ways of doing that obviously going to your local gaming store on uh, once a week and playing with people there is a good way to start um you can uh do what they call gold fishing which is taking that deck and then putting it up against another deck that you own and kind of playing both hands acting as if you know you're going to play that make the best possible play for both of those decks at the time. Um, then the other option is the Crucible, which is a free site that uh, you can get to called the. It's the Crucible online. Uh, the Crucible dot online is how you get there. Um, 
and just playing against people on the internet, I know that like kind of can seem like the least efficient way of doing it, or not least efficient, but the Crucible has issues. Every like it, people are aware of this, but it at least gets you an idea of seeing the cards, seeing how to play and interact with those cards. And if you get run up against somebody who's playing somebody else's deck that you know is a known good combo, you can kind of get an idea of how your deck will play against those things. So it's a good academic resource. Not necessarily looking to go out there and crush everybody because, and then be like, yep, this is the deck I'm going to play. I mean, if you do that and that happens, cool, play that deck. But Yeah, I mean, the most important thing about this is that you don't have to have the best deck in the room if you can play your deck better than everyone else in the room. Yeah, I, I will put my money if I had to bet between someone who has a like a decent deck but knows it back to front and has played like a hundred games with it, hundred practice games with it, or to put my money on someone with an amazing deck who doesn't have a lot of experience playing it. Um, I would I would probably put my money on the person that knows their deck well because they're going to know what cards are coming up, they're going to know what their deck can and can't do against their opponent's strategy, and be able to work that into their plays. Um, whereas the other person is kind of flying blind. It's just I'm going to draw my card, and I guess this is the card I get, and I don't know what else I have in this deck that I get to it. Yeah, I guess the best example of that is uh, a friend of ours uh, in our sealed event last week pulled his uh pulled a library access combo deck like in theory the one turn kill deck and he and and not to call him out on this but you know he had a tough time playing it he just didn't know how to pilot it because he hadn't experienced it so he was kind of flying blind in that situation and you know he ended up i think he ended up going did he he went win did he go one and two i think i can't remember i think so so it's like, yeah, the the deck, like the strength of that deck is is legit, but it was just like he didn't know how to pilot it, so that ended up in him kind of losing. Yeah, and he's a good player. It's not like he just has yeah. no idea what he's doing in general, and he just got a complicated deck and also has no idea what he's doing. Like he he, this is Brian. He's the guy that went three and zero in our last uh, our last yeah. weekly. So he's he's decent. <laughs> um, yeah, he he knows how to play game, yeah. uh, play the game. But it just shows it's the, just yeah, the decks can be yeah. widely varying um so know your deck that's more than anything else know your deck that's going to get you more wins than anything else one other thing that you can do and i would just say use this in conjunction with the the last two options uh is deck analyzers and and you know these are widely controversial in a lot of ways um like personally i don't subscribe to the sas adhd ratings just because it's honestly my personal preference i prefer to just look at the card lists and go through and see and look at the numbers of you know how many creatures do i have how many artifact or how many actions do i have how much bonus ember am i generating i just rather look at all of those numbers and then make my own decision based on the deck yeah then kind of have it all summarized for me in a number um but some people like them and, and find them validating as well so if you if you are one of those people or if you want to or you're curious about it, go look them up. If you just type in Keyforge deck analyzers, you'll find them. Uh, you can find all the links to them on Reddit as well. Yeah, a deck is um, a deck is more than its rating. Um, there's like a deck is more than its number. Um, yeah, there, I don't really have a lot to, <laughs> to explain to that. But I mean, it goes back to what you were saying earlier. You know, you don't have to have the best deck in the room if you know how to pilot your deck better than everybody else. Right. Um, so if you at least have an idea of what, you know, is in the deck 
and what those cards do for you at any given time, you're going to be a leg up on everybody else anyway. Well, potentially be a leg up on everybody else. Um, at least you'll close so, so, nothing else. Right. Um, exactly. I should also mention the guys over at Discourse Keyforge. Uh, they're another podcast. Um, one of, I think, their most recent episode, or maybe it was their second to most recent episode. They go uh, like a deep dive in all the different deck analyzers that are out there, and they talk about the pros and cons and what the strengths and weaknesses are and everything. So if you are really, really interested in which deck analyzers might uh, might be good for your, uh, you know, your play style, or your analyzation style, um, you can check that out and get some good information there. So another thing in in terms of prepping, which is this one's arguably, uh, this is where things get a little more dicey, I guess. Uh, actually, that was nah, that was good. Uh, so first off, no dice. Uh, do not bring dice to the tournament. Um, they will ask you to, uh, and this goes for every level of tournament. I'm pretty sure yep, it is. Um, don't don't bring dice. You'll be asked to remove them. Uh, or put them in your car or whatever. If you're bringing tokens that aren't the official set and they might not look like, you know, or have any sort of resemblance to the official key or the official tokens, make sure that your opponent is aware of what token is going to be used for what. I would even go so far as even if they do mimic the uh the official tokens just clarify it anyway it's not gonna hurt anything it takes an extra couple seconds just be like this these ones are damage these ones are armor these ones are stuns these ones are my ember you know you just point to them and explain and that way your opponent can't be like oh i didn't realize those were stun tokens yeah i have some uh shield tokens from a, a miniatures game that i had played and in it it's the the token itself is like a, a cracked shield um, so what I do is I flip the token over because the token on, on the other side is just black. And then when the armor is removed, I just flip it over yeah. so they can see that representation. Yep. So this is one of the things that, you know, we've talked about in the past and I actually think that we've even quoted incorrectly. And, and it seems like a lot of the communication around what do I do about this, um, is also not correct based on the rules, but Make sure you sleeve your decks, but the rules are on this are a little more lax than I think everyone's been approaching. Uh, you don't have to go to your tournament with a uh, with an opaque sleeved deck. If it is a local tournament at your you know game store, um, I, I believe it is everything but premier events. You don't have to have opaque sleeves and premier is nationals is the right. new name for what used to be nationals. so if you're if you're playing in a national level tournament or above um you have to make sure that your sleeves are not see-through um yeah so whether that means that you get new sleeves that are really really dark and you can't see through them or you keep your quasi transparent sleeves but get an inner sleeve that is not see-through, which they make, uh, I think, KMC, I want to say. Maybe Ultra Pro, they both make opaque inner sleeves. Uh, a lot of people will double-sleeve their decks in, in Magic because the cards are valuable. I'd argue that the cards in this game are infinitely more valuable since they are 100% unique. <laughs> uh, yeah. So double-sleeving isn't a terrible idea, uh, and it doesn't take up that much space. to uh, Like, double-sleeve decks take up almost twice as much space as a single-sleeve deck. Um, but it's not too bad for Keyforge because it's only 37 cards. Yeah. And, and so when you go to the, the event, just know you don't need to be it, it or hang on three, three, two, one. 
So yeah, so when you're going to your local event, you know, if someone says, "Hey, your deck needs to be opaque," you, you don't. That that's not what needs to happen. But you know, it's better to be safe than sorry, I guess, in a lot of ways. Well, um, and that's because the whole reason for sleeves in card gaming, period, is marked cards. You could put right. a tiny scuff on the back of a card, either deliberately or accidentally, and that will let you know, or let your opponent even know. You could be handing them an advantage where they know, oh yeah, that's their. Um, that's their key charge uh, that has stuff right. on the back. I noticed that when they were holding it last game. And so now every time they see that in the top of their deck, they know you're about to draw a key charge or they know it's in your hand. Um, right. And having sleeves, having opaque sleeves makes that a non-issue. Uh, along with that, also bring a couple, if you are using sleeves, bring a few extra spare sleeves. Um, sometimes sleeves get little divots or dents in the back. Sometimes they, yeah. uh, they split, um, all of which make them noticeable. Uh, compared to the other sleeves in the deck so having a few extras will prevent you from having to buy an entire new set of sleeves if a judge gets you know called and says hey you can't use these right so with that uh we've talked about this one a few times um but just to reiterate make sure the keys that you bring are yellow blue and red individually and then on top of that it is easily identifiable when they are in a forged or not forged state yep. Um, we don't need to really go into that too much more. Just know that the, that's the key point for keys is that they need to be identifiable as forged and unforged and red, yellow, and blue. Yep. And I know we went over some of this in our in our episode too uh, for those keeping track. <laughs> but we figured it fits well with the overall tournament idea. So we're revisiting some of these concepts again. Right. So the next thing is make sure you download the app. If you've been playing... At home with your friends, you probably haven't been registering your decks, but you just you've been buying decks. Uh, there's a, a lot of reasons why you need the app. Uh, first off, your participation in the event is tracked this way. If you go through the app itself and you click on my profile, there's a QR code in the pro profile. They need that to register you for the event. Then on top of that, your deck will also your deck itself has a QR code, but it has to be registered in the application or in their database in order for you to participate in an Archon deck or Archon event. The only exception to this is Sealed. You do not register your decks uh, beforehand for Sealed. Um, this is just what the official tournament rules uh, suggest. There is a reason for it. I don't have it off. I don't have it currently at the moment. Uh, if someone does know the reason, please email us, let us know, and we will uh, correct it in the next episode. Uh, but just know... If you're going to a sealed event, do not register the deck um, because that will interfere with the reporting in some capacity. Yeah, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't remember how either. This actually happened last time we discussed this that we couldn't remember, yeah. and then neither of us, because we're great at podcasting, neither of us did any research afterwards. Fair. Um, <laughs> um, and even if you can't get the app on your phone, maybe you don't have enough space on there because you have tons of you know meme generator apps on your phone already or something. Um, you can still go to the website through your phone's browser, log into your account uh, on the, the Keyforge Master Vault, and pull up your player uh, QR code that way. Um, you can pull up your deck QR codes that way. The important thing is that you have registered yourself and registered your decks um, right. beforehand. So I, th I think you need the app. I think you need the phone app to register the deck because you have to scan that QR code. I don't think you can do it via the website. 
Yeah, I don't think you can. Well, I think you can manually type in the code at the bottom of the QR oh, code. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yes, you can. Okay. So, yeah. So, you don't have to have the app. It makes life a little easier. Uh, I also think it would be really cool, and I don't know if they have this on the, the docket or not, but maybe someday in the future, um, the tournament organizer will be able to send an alert to everyone's phones uh, with their pairings at the start of the round. Yeah. That would yep. be super cool. Yeah, um, that would be kind of cool. Uh, so once you have all your stuff ready and everything, the last little bit of prep before you show up at the store is to just go over the rules again. Um, just make sure you're familiar with them. You've got them down pat because you don't, you know, you don't want to be in the middle of a match and suddenly be confronted with the dreaded judge call. Um, just remember that proper turn order is um, house. So you choose your house, then you decide whether or not to take your archive and you have to take your entire archive, um, stuff like that. Uh, and then just go over the errata and FAQ. Um, some stuff isn't printed on the cards, and some stuff is a little bit questionable and confusing. So just going over the errata FAQ, having it fresh in your mind before you go to the tournament, will help you with some of those weird, tricky bits that you might run into. And, you know, help you out as far as um, making the right strategic tactical move during the game without having to give away information or ask questions that might uh, clue your opponent in as to what's going on. Yeah, and so that kind of leads into um, just when you're playing the game. So one one courtesy that you can offer your opponent is just announcing, you know, the game does say um, make sure you call check at the end of your turn if you can forge a key. But the, the one thing that I, I think you'll find a lot of people do, and, you know, when we do, or when Ryan and I, even just when we're playing casually, is be verbose, be chatty. Like, it, you're this is a social game. Like, you're, you know... People are going to, like, it's just nice to communicate with your opponent. So, you know, announce the changes, you know, the changes of, of Amber that you have, um, you know, you've gained or lost. Um, you know, what the new total is. And then when you're done, like, here is, you know, all right, so check, right? So I gained five Amber. Because, I mean, I think there was one time where, like, this week where we were, when you and I were playing, like, you know, there was, we're playing a game store, a lot of commotion. Where I had said, you know, oh, I'm going to gain this amber here. And then you were like, oh, wait, how did you get another key already? And I was like, oh, well, you know, this is the this is what I did. Yeah, I and got distracted so, in the middle of the game and missed one of the cards that he played. He did say it, and I just like missed it. I was like, wait a minute. Or no, I'm sorry. You played a card, and I thought it was a different card. So I uh, yeah. didn't take into account how much amber was uh, available. Right. Uh, so like that, you know, being just being courteous and making sure that, you know, your opponent understands what they're doing. Because, you know, or what you're doing, because, you know, you want to make sure you, know, you want to make sure the game goes smoothly and you yep. both want to have fun. Right. So, yeah. And it can it can help. It can help you police yourself, too. Like if you say, uh, all right, I play Ember Imp and gain two Ember, they can be like, I think you're thinking of Dust Imp. Ember Imp doesn't generate an Amber. And then you look down and sure enough. Oh, hey, yeah, no. Wrong Imp. Sorry about that. Yeah. So just announcing like what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um helps out and if you announce like your new ember total like uh like i play dust imp which by the way is an untamed creature that just gives you two ember when it comes into play um is that the right one sorry dust pixie it's not even an imp i was in the wrong creature dust uh, imps would be um imps are discs yeah. yeah sorry about that so you play your dust pixie uh so i would i would play my dust pixie uh say okay i play dust pixie i go up two ember to five and announce my new total that way 
you know, they can double check my math because they can see they, they maybe they already knew I had three. I say two, they can go up to they know I'm at five. And also that way I can say like, okay, I play uh, Dust Pixie, go up two Ember to seven. And they're like, oh, okay, seven. All right. So he's in key. Like, I know he's in key range here. I know he's in right. check before I even get to the end of my turn, which also just kind of helps them plan their turn during your turn and keeps the, the pace of things going if they kind of have right. an idea of what's going on uh, ahead of time. Yeah. So another thing is, is we just made a joke about the ju- dreaded judge call, but don't, don't be shy to, to call a judge. Like, because you're calling a judge doesn't mean that you're accusing your opponent of cheating. Uh, if there's, you know, if there's something that neither of you know how the interaction is supposed to work, call the judge over. You know, if, if you have a question about something that, you know, you're not sure of, you know, call the judge over. It, it's, it's fine. Just again, it kind of goes back to that communicating with your opponent um, and then communicating with the the, the marshal uh, or the judge, just to make sure everybody's on the same page and everybody's having fun. Yep. Like that. That's the key here is making sure everybody's having fun. If it's something like if you have a question about a card in your hand and you don't want to give away information to your opponent, just explain that. Like you know, call the judge over and just be like, uh, yeah. "Can we step away from the table for a second? I have a question about a card in my hand." Um, and then just ask them about it and then come back yep. to the table and sit down. And you can just be communicative with your opponent. Be like, I have a question about a card in my hand. I'm just going to call the judge for some clarification. And the opponent's like, yeah, sure, not a problem. There should be. And yep. if someone calls a judge on you, don't be offended. They, they don't think you're cheating, hopefully. <laughs> um, yeah. We haven't given them a reason. Uh, and they're, they're probably just getting clarification or, you know, they, they have a question about a card in their hand. Like, don't take it the wrong way. It's just... You know, it's just information. It's just a game. They're just trying to figure out how to do things. Um, right. Maybe they forgot a rule and they need a clarification. Or much like everyone ever, they've forgotten how Gabos long arms works and they're trying <laughs> to remember. Um, so don't be shy about calling the judge. That's why they're there. They're uh, if you're not calling the judge, they're just standing around bored. So give them something to do. Yep. <laughs> no, don't don't abuse it though. <laughs> um, right. So uh, once the game is over. Uh, if you haven't won and your opponent hasn't won, well, that means you're tied. So be aware of what the tie ba- tie breaking process is. Um, rounds will go to time uh, if it's a uh, if it's an Archon event like we've been talking about. Uh, best of one is I think 35 minutes for the round. Um, best of three is 90 minutes for all three games total. Uh, and if it's sealed, your best of one is 45 minutes and a best of three is a hundred rounds. Oh, sorry. A hundred rounds. Wow. That's a long day. Uh, a best, long day. <laughs> it's a hundred minutes to get all three of your rounds done. So it's entirely possible depending on the decks you're playing to run into the time limit and not have enough time to finish the game. Um, if that's the case, they do what's called a tie breaking process, um, which it's all spelled out in the rules. We'll kind of go over it a little quickly here, but you know, don't go to the judge and say, oh, the key change podcast guys said that this is how tiebreaking works. No, just read the rules, double check what's going on. But in brief, first thing you do is you finish the current turn. Uh, if they don't have three keys, then the other player gets one more turn. So if it's my turn right now and the time runs out, I'll finish what I'm doing. And if I haven't won with three keys, uh, then Steve gets his turn. At the end of Steve's turn, um, each player will then forge a key at six amber. So if you have 20 amber, you'll forge one key. If you have six amber, you forge one key. If you have four amber, you don't do anything. Um, If someone at that point has more keys than the other person, then they win. Uh, After that, you look at how much ember both player has. Whoever has more ember wins. If you both have the same amount of keys, the same amount of remaining ember after all of that, then you start counting cards in your hand and creatures on the table. Uh, Each player picks one house, 
um, calculates how much ember they have on the table from like reaping creatures. Uh, or it's just a creature count. Sorry, it's just the the creature count for that house that they currently have on the table, and then the ember icons, those bonus ember icons in the top left corner on cards in their hand. So you ignore card effects, um, you ignore creature effects, and you just count raw numbers. Uh, whoever has the highest total wins. And if you guys have managed to be lockstep in your game all the way up through that point, you have the same number of ember in your hands and amount of creatures on the table, and everything else is the same. Then whoever took the first turn wins, because I mean the game's got to end somehow. Yeah. And then just a, a kind of friendly reminder for your, your local game store. Um, when the tournament's over, just make sure you clean up after yourself. It makes life a lot easier for everybody uh, in the end of that. Uh, yeah. But that that's pretty much what we really wanted to kind of give people who had never played like in a tournament before. Um, just some guidelines on how to how to do that. Cool, cool. So now you should be equipped to go and win your first tournament. Uh, don't forget, we are entitled to a cut of your winnings. Um, so you can just get a hold of us through DM on Twitter when you win and let us know how much you owe us. Uh, that's not legally binding. but Well, you know, well, not a lawyer, but fair. I have seen a lot of law and order. So I'm pretty sure we're in the right here. So, so uh, winning things. Oh yeah, so we actually do have a winner for the am or the stun tokens that were given to us by Strategic Dino to give away to you, you fine people. Uh, and the winner of that is Jess Hines. Uh, so we're gonna reach out. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. You can c congratulate him uh, purposefully now. Yeah, congratulations, Jess Hines. Yeah. You are the proud new owner of some Strategic Dino stun tokens. So uh, we'll get in touch with you uh, probably via Twitter uh, to get your address and information like that so we can send that out to you. Uh, we did send out uh, our other ones already, so hopefully uh, the, the Discourse guys uh, get those soon. <laughs> Um, and we want to we want to make sure that we thank Strategic Dino for uh, giving us those tokens to give away. Um, it was really cool, uh, just you know, as content creators to be able to work with some other creators in the uh, in the community and um, yeah. just really you know get that that connection going. It was really cool of them to give some free product uh, away to cool listeners like you guys. So yeah. thank you, Strategic Dino. Uh, give them your business if you can. Uh, if you can't, then I don't know. Give them a personal Share favor. It. Like, yeah, hey, sure. you ever you ever in my area? I'll buy you lunch. I can't afford your tokens, but I can buy you lunch. Apparently, <laughs> the tokens are cheap enough that you should be able to get them instead of lunch. But you know, whatever, whatever. Bake him a casserole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how well that'll ship. <laughs> Probably not. Probably uh... not. Uh, so one thing. Speaking of the the content creating community of KeyForge, it's a lot of monosyllabic noise there. Um, <laughs> Speaking of them, uh, one thing that I really like is just how close knit it is, and how all the different content creators are supporting each other. There's a there's an expression that a rising tide raises all ships, um, which I really like that that it's not a competition. We're not, you know, like you, it's not that you can only listen to one podcast or only watch one YouTube channel. No, like you listen to our podcast, and we'll tell you about other great podcasts that you can listen to, other great YouTube channels you can listen to, and vice versa. You listen to some other guys, maybe they mention us, and you can come listen to us too. I mean, granted, there's only so many hours in a day, but maybe you have one podcast your left ear and another one in your right ear and now you're just twice as efficient as you were before um so one thing we want to do each week is we want to try to plug another content creator that's out there uh this week um since they won the contest anyway and we've talked about it a little bit this week we want to plug the discourse keyforge guys uh they were the winner of last week's tokens and you can find them on twitter at 
at Discourse KF. That's D-I-S-C-O-U-R-S-E-K-F, as in Keyforge. Um, they're really cool guys. I've listened to their podcast. Uh, they make a lot of great points, um, and they're just cool guys to listen to. What do you got to lose, right? <laughs> so um, you can also follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Keychains Pod, uh, or you can send us an email at Keychains Podcast. Oh, I'm sorry, keychainspod at gmail dot com. Uh, we are still working on our Instagram stuff. Uh, there is some uh, some issues there. Hopefully, I can get it uh, fixed up before tomorrow so we can post some some well, pictures yeah, of by the of time the, you're hearing this hopefully it will be up <laughs> hopefully yeah um also by the time you're hearing this we have our first episode um released up on youtube nothing special it's just the audio with our logo in the background um i'm working on episode two so by the time you hear this you may also be able to watch slash listen to episode two i'm working on getting card slides in there which is pretty cool because i've never done any video editing so i'm learning new <laughs> life skills all right um but yeah so do you have any other life skills you want to point out um i uh no i got nothing i can write show notes so if you need a professional show note writer uh that can write show notes in an amateurish way to retain that amateur vibe all right i'm your guy, I'm your guy right there all right have a good one everybody take care